Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. All right, my man. I was up late on Sunday watching Sunday Night Baseball because I was down to the wire in home league, head-to-head. It was tied. I didn't have the tiebreaker. I needed Justin Turner to hit an RBI. And it came down to the final at-bat of the week, and he fouled it and got caught, and it was over. And he just really let me down it, it is not that often that a full matchup comes down to the last at bat in a matchup it, let alone a two-week match let alone a two-week <laughs> matchup you know it is funny because one would actually think that justin turner is sort of the guy that you would want in that situation yeah absolutely a rod specifically mentioned him like four batters earlier like we just don't this pitcher doesn't want to, McGee doesn't want to see Justin Turner come up. <laughs> Turner has his number. I just, yeah, it's nice just, and frustrating. It's just Turner's Very, playoff success, and, you know, you thought he might, apparently he's not as influential in fantasy playoffs as he is in real MLB playoffs. He didn't know. I needed to send him a message and say, uh, you're actually in a, you're in a fantasy playoff right now. Yeah, this Please this is important, buddy. Up. There's there's real there's real stuff on the line here. Yeah, so that's disappointing. We are officially done with. Well, we're not we're not oh. done with head to head because you still have a matchup. I get to play for third. Oh well. Uh, football. Football. Okay, who are we? Who are we going for this week? How do we do last week? We're two for three. We last week. Yeah, last last time. Two weeks. <laughs> last ago. match day. Two for three, yeah. So I think Two for three you know we're trying to being West Ham tying. That's right. We're trying to set a similar bar. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we've I think we've done a good job of picking games that are you know not surefire shoe wins. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like we're just padding our stats. Like looking ahead this week, like is it does it really count if we pick Man U over Newcastle? <laughs> he's I think he's a making lot a of face. People are doing that. I think a lot of people are doing that, and it would be hilarious if they didn't win. I, there's no way that they're going to lose. They could draw. Right. There you go. Okay. They could lose. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else is intriguing here. I mean, there's a bunch of bunch of just mid-tier stuff like West Ham, Southampton. That's a risky one. Watford Wolves also don't know. Ever, Everton Burnley Everton is a Burnley. fun one Yeah, because this is like where Everton loses. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some interesting stuff here. Everton loves to get blown out by the littlest teams and the biggest teams and then yep. draw everything <laughs> stay, mid-table. Stay alive. Stay alive otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Um, How can we get to 10th this year? Oh. I mean, I, I, w- I would love pick Wolves over Watford. think that's legit one. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. This, this feels like a week with not that many draws in it. I mean, uh, probably the Chelsea-Villa game's a draw. Oh, I think Chelsea's going to. Okay. All right. Famous last words. Let's do 
Let's do Tottenham, Chelsea, Brentford. Okay. All right. Wow, that's heavily London. Well. Just follow the Thames on down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's do it. <sighs> Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. A show's coming. Amazon is uh-huh. not going to let you forget about it if you shop on Amazon, if they know that you're in a fantasy, and if you're on Amazon Prime for shows or movies. They will not let you forget that they have a show that they spent a decent amount of money on. So where where do you think this ranks in Amazon's plan relative to uh, Lord of the Rings? Like, is do they view this as a warm-up? Do they view this as a, like, a completely different set of IP that's going to attract a different caliber of nerd? I mean, or is it just, like, I, I don't know. What's it, what's it going to be? I would think that Amazon has the data on how many people have bought these stupid books hmm. and how many there are. Hmm. And they they know that they're going to get a an X number of viewers. Hmm. And so I think that they have figured, on the Wheel of Time one at least, I think that it's a completely a math equation of like, we will spend X. There are this number of uh, people that like Wheel of Time. We assume that this percentage of those are going to watch this based on how our, how many people watch everything else that they buy. Like, I don't know, everything from like Clifford to Da Vinci code. <laughs> they probably have a good sense of like the book to the audience ratio. They're probably like, we can't, we cannot lose on this. And my guess would be, it's a little bit more of a, like, let's put out two and we have better. We are doubling our chances that one of them will hit. Yeah, okay. That I, yes. We cannot lose, and then our upside is that, our upside is doubling the upside of the Lord of the Rings chances. Do you, wait, do you view the Lord of the Rings as cannot lose? No, no. I think Wheel of Time is is cannot lose. They will make money. It might not be a lot of money, mm. but they will, they will be in the black, yeah. as it were. And I think then their upside for like a, Game of Thrones, Sopranos level hit, mm-hmm. or or um whatever the bounty bounty hunter show, their chances for that are X, and then on the the Lord of the Rings they have like a they have a low floor that there might be nobody watches yeah. that show, yeah, and then their ceiling is the same thing the Sopranos, yep, the um bounty hunter the Mandalorian. Game of Thrones. Same idea. Whatever. The, the Bounty Hunter was the video game that came out in 2005. <laughs> yes. I, I, think, I think you're right. I, I, accept, I accept that assessment. Michael, we have talked about agent-based modeling in the past. Have we, have we fully talked about it or have we... We've talked about thrown it. Out the, have we thrown out the idea of agent-based modeling and not ever actually described it? It might be good to back up and, and talk about what agent-based what an agent-based model is, and then talk about what the application I envision, we envision for applying it to, um, I guess, game theory? Game theory for um, picking squads for TGFBI. Yes. And therefore, the NFBC. Well, I, I would say platform. that this, this has its roots in a simple, relatively simple question which that you asked at the beginning of this year and we've kicked around before, which is 
how does one model a draft? Yes, yeah, it, well, it does go back to them. And I believe that when, when we did that, that draft podcast, I did talk about one agent-based mm-hmm. model. So one night, let's step back here because we're going to talk about agent-based modeling and an agent-based modeling application. So let's get on the let's get everybody on the same page about what an agent-based mm. model is. Just pulled up Wikipedia. I'm not going to off the cuff be able to talk about what an agent-based model is. Let's read. They can't. Are they going to sue us? Probably. Good Who? thing we they Who? Can the, have the, the public author of Wikipedia. An agent-based model (ABM) is a computational model for simulating the actions and interactions of autonomous agents, both individual or collective entities such as organizations or groups in order to understand the behavior of a system in what governs its outcome. It combines elements of game theory, complex systems, emergence, computational sociology, multi-agent systems, and evolutionary programming. Monte Carlo methods are used to understand the stochasticity of these models. Exactly. So, ABMs are pretty are pretty interesting. The idea really goes back to the a model is a representation of a process. A model is a representation of a process. And then ABM is great because it it simulates the interactions between those agents. And then you can see some emergent behavior that then you can try to further model in a different application. Take it as it is. <laughs> Take it as it is and go from there. Right. So... Hopefully, it's pretty obvious what the connection between an agent-based modeling and a, a draft is. Is that instead instead of getting twelve people together to do a mock draft, right. we want the computer to do the mock draft that simulates the people that we would normally get together. And because we've made them all into machines, you can Monte Carlo. You can do hundreds, if not thousands, of mock drafts. Whereas you could probably only persuade your friends to do one. And even then, you have the person that's doing a mock draft for the NFL, the person that picks the Jets' defense yeah. first because they're just being an a-hole, you know. This is this is a way to, like, make sure that the rules are being followed that the person is setting out. So yeah. we can set a draft list for each one of the agents. You know, A number one is someone, person who has all their pitchers last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just all they did was they took – hitters yeah you know they just take hitters until they've run out of spots for hitters and start taking pictures you could have someone that is going off of last year's draft list yep. isn't that interesting yep. so then they're picking just based on the 2020 preseason draft or you could have someone that is based it entirely on plate appearances and innings pitched waiting on that so it's you you have all these options to then see like okay who then Monte Carlo, the heck out of it, and then you get to see like which which drafting methodologies ended up being more successful, and that's in the preseason we were talking about that application. Uh-huh. We built it out about seventy <laughs> percent, yeah. as we are want to do, as I am want to do, I guess. That, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that you framed it in the context of like what rule set is the most successful, because I think I'm more interested in something else that you asked, which was what types of emergent behavior do you see sure i you know i started jumping at conclusions and that's one of the really important pieces of an abm is that you don't you don't you watch you you set up your assumptions you try to make those as clean as possible you 
enter those assumptions into the agents and watch yep. what's happened. That's why it's a good tool for game theory. We we don't talk we talk about game theory in theory. We don't really <laughs> actually like model out game theory out um, game theory outcomes, game theory tests. <laughs> I think it's outcomes. Yeah, I mean we so right. I mean what what else is there to say? I think you know the vision here is my vision is to find emergent behavior and then ideally to use that the observations of the emergent behavior to retune uh, rules for successful drafting going forward. Right. Yeah. The, the outcome, the deliverable that we want from this exercise is a modification in the guidelines that we put together for ourselves in how we draft preseason. And, but also how we're going to manage our team throughout the season mm-hmm. as well. So it's not just, this is not just for the draft. Now, what I suggested to you was a, pit, a TGFBI pitching agent-based model. So the idea wasn't merely that we were going to do a draft and then run out the season with those players a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand times. No, the idea was that we're going to get a little, even a little bit, more information and have people pick players for each week right right so you're so it's even one level beyond what we were considering in our preseason application mm-hmm. because the vision the vision is to sort of explicitly play out the 2021 season and try and instead of just having just draft rules have management rules during the season yeah and so as players become available and like like in real fantasy like as players become available and you think oh i want that guy then you will actually go and pick that person up right yes so as you see as you see the results the actualization of <laughs> results during the season then you can actually make draft picks across the season and and in this way we're we're not only talking about how well we're figuring out how players are ranked and then also how um owners pick their lineups yeah which is which is cool which is a lot oh there there are so many pieces to this i mean i think on some level we need to start with the draft tool and then you start with all of you start with all of the teams and then you run time forward from there Yep. I mean, to be to some extent, the draft piece is actually relatively straightforward compared to the season mm-hmm. run because if you if we do a, an analysis of what actually happened in all of the drafts, there isn't that much spread in where guys are picked. I mean, there really is more consensus than not consensus. Well, and it's pl- over time as as I'm hitting the mic as I'm trying to do the like it, over time it, they. They get farther apart, right? But right, but we but we modeled apart. that, and it was we we already uh-huh. modeled that this year, and it was fairly well described. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. And if, we want it. Yeah, no, go ahead. It, well, and we want to get to the. I mean, we're going to get to the center of that, but then we're also going to see, you know, how that shifts over the course of the season. Right. Yeah, the drafting piece, and this is where we've had the first conceptual. Not blockage, but the first conceptual piece that we need to work through mm. is how we create these different draft lists and how then we put them into, we run through the system to make sure that we're 
actually testing an, enough different drafting styles yeah. or different management styles. Yeah, exactly. That that, that is a uh, highly non-trivial question. Do I think that we just I think that we start with preseason preseason style rankings that are then weighted by like last three results, right? Uh, I think I think that's what we should do. I mean, it it all depends on what we're interested in studying. And since I think we're more interested in studying what's going on during the season, we should put in as few assumptions as possible to the draft side. Yes. So we keep the drafting piece very boring. <laughs> yeah. And then. And then let people select, let the agents pick what they want to do during the season and see how teams reshape. Right. And so then that's, that's where we're saying, so just to, but just to start with, if we get like 15 agents and it's like, <laughs> right, we're loading up 15 agents with draft lists. We can start with, um, you know, from, it can even be one preseason rank. Let's just say we, yeah. t- we take the, a fantasy pros preseason ranking and then we weight that by we weight that by interest in some level of interest over the last three weeks or last week mm-hmm. some ratio of those two so that, that there's like one person that doesn't care what happens yeah. there's one agent that doesn't ha- care what happened in the last three weeks doesn't care what happened la- uh, last week and then there's one that weights so heavily that they barely care what the presidency rank was yeah i think i think that's that is the the simplest way to define it so it's like a straight line yeah exactly straight line down yeah yeah so i think i think and then once we get that mechanism working and then we can actually see some emergent behavior then we can start to mess with those rankings right that's the yes i would say you know we we really want to get the simple case going to show that the mechanics are are there so we just, you know, we start with just brain dead drafted teams and then take one step forward each week, run an ad drop, an ad drop, <laughs> go from there. Because <laughs> everybody has to ad drop where everybody drops everybody and everybody adds everybody. Back. Yeah, I, there, <laughs> yeah, there's a really interesting challenge. I mean, there's so many intricacies here. Because uh, uh-huh. one, one thing that we don't even have track of right now is, say, when guys hit the I.L., yeah, yeah, I guess because because you're gonna need to know. Oh, did this person drop them on the IL? I mean, I guess I guess we'll infer it from weeks where they didn't accumulate any stats. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, you just added the the first piece of the uh, complex system. The... Yeah, but you but that but that's a piece that you have to treat right because yeah because that that actually is. I would argue that's probably the main mechanism that churn that turns the engine is making sure that we're that we're actually lo- we're not adding noise by having people pick dead yeah and and that those are the I mean I was thinking about like well how there's an even a more fundamental question is like how do you decide what player how does a how does a team decide what player to drop Right, because you can't you can't just add in for an item. They actually have to drop players, <laughs> so how so they have to continually have a ranking system within their own team <laughs> that says like, oh, this is the player that's on the chopping block, and I need to cut this person. Right. Okay. Well, that add in complexity number one. I think we we should probably think about this in an agile system. Let's just get it up. Yeah. No, I I think so. I think that's right. I mean, we can 
I think the first system we build is one where nobody gets dropped and you just try and figure out if you would add this person. Well, I'm thinking that it, we start with everybody gets dropped and everybody drafted. Oh. To make it really, to make it, just to make it really simple yeah. so that every week a new person is going to have Corbin Burns. Everyone, yeah. every week, every, they'll have a uh, new Bieber. Okay. Just so that we can get the implementation running. Okay. And then we can start to have some of this sort of more educated system. It would probably it'll probably work a little bit more like keepers, right? As as you're as you're yeah. pointing out, it's like every draft slot. It's like, would I rather have the person that's one number one on the board? Would I rather have player number one? Yeah, well, I'd rather have player number one, number two. Yeah, three, all the way down. I okay, all right. I really like that. I really like the churn through everybody. It's it's silly, but it's also I think this. Let's call that model zero and build. Try and build out to that. I mean, all right, that's a good one. I and this is is this gonna be this is gonna be good. Let's let's make some. I'll make some forward progress on this for next week. I did not. Yeah, I did not mean to immediately jump to the complexities. Thank you for reining us in to uh, something oh, we can actually it gets, do. It gets so hard so fast. Yes. I think that about brings us to the review session. Jazz Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm Jr. There oh, are. Oh, whoa. JCJ. I uh, okay. Well, look, there's a there's I'm just going to say it, there's a lot to like about this guy, so I will try to temper my, you know, cheer here. 2021 stats on the Miami Marlins. Let me just remind you that he is 23. Uh he's played 99 yeah. games so far, 402 plate appearances, pretty regular player, 56 runs, 44 RBIs, 14 home runs. 18 stolen bases and a 254 average. Let me just tell you also though that his OBP is 314. So do some do some compare and contrast to uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not bad. Not great. Not bad. It's not great. It's not bad. I mean, it's it's yeah, sure. There. <laughs> the thing that I really want to point. The thing that I really want to draw your attention to is just his insane hit spray chart speed oh okay yes like well he's got infield singles to the shortstop playing in yep which is amazing wow look at that he gets it right between the the third baseman and the shortstop yep and and then he's able to leg it out i mean his sprint speed is a 93rd percentile that's awesome it's also wild that he He's got a big split between his average exit velocity and max exit velocity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sometimes he hits the ball hard. And you can see this. He actually has 14 home runs, which for how he looks, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Hey, I mean, I'm looking at his size and like, unfortunately not his age, but that's what I would look like in the batter's box. I mean, he's listed at 5'11", 184 pounds. Right, so he's probably 5'10", 175, exactly. Yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. There, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I like him. <laughs> it's a problem. He Ks a lot. He does K a lot. That's going to be A number one. If he wants to be in the big leagues for a while, that's what he's going to need to deal with. Now, you like him a lot. Or stay on the bar. Let's be clear. Let's, let's be clear. You like him a lot for where he is, yep. where he's where he's going to be drafted next year next week next year what well, martin putting in that agent based model <laughs> where he's going to be drafted next year he's got huge upside 
And I totally agree with that. And I like that these stats are actually just just positive enough that they make me feel good about like progression to next year instead of regression because he overproduced um, at a young age. Well, I think, I mean, you know, you, to some extent, you know what you're getting. Uh, and that is, you're, you're certainly buying him for that 93% sprint speed. Yep. And I mean, he's doing stuff with it, right? He's not just a number on a page. He's stolen tw- 18 bases this year. Yeah. On pace for 21. That's good. I mean, that's a good, that's good. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, uh, he's going to be a, he's going to be a 20, he's going to be a 20, 30 player here pretty soon. I mean, they're, they're batting him in the best possible spot that the Marlins can give him. Right. Which is they're mostly second. Yeah. I mean, th- which is not to say that the Marlins have that much going on necessarily, but it, it actually gives him, it actually gives him a blend of runs and RBIs. Yeah, he's not absolutely. he's not as lopsided as some of the other guys that we've talked about where uh-huh. it's all runs no RBIs. But he very well could. I mean next season he could be like the the 110 and 110 runs and 50 RBI guy. Maybe, but 110 runs and 25 stolen bases is quite good. <laughs> I mean yeah. that's that's a player you that's a player you need on your fantasy team especially because you're probably going to be able to get him relatively cheap. Yeah, with spe- and the, then the continuing the dearth of stolen bases, having some guy, having a guy that's able to get twenty plus is huge. Twenty is the old thirty. <laughs> okay, uh, I I mean thing things that I don't love. He did spend some time on the on the DL this year. Yep. I uh, uh, I mean I don't I don't really like seeing speedy twenty three year olds hit the DL twice in a year. No, it's not good. So, and he is only at ninety nine games right now, and he should be, he should. I mean, he should play every day, realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a little bit of concern there. But where? I mean, where are you gonna? Where would you draft him next year? Oh, geez. I mean, I draft him in that. Once I have everybody on my starting roster, mm-hmm. um, outside of the utilities, I might add him if if he's available and i didn't really get stolen bases i think he's going to be a good option to get he's going to be a good middle infield pick in the tgfbi world he's going to be a good like i don't know what is that going to be like 15th rounder in a in a regular um head-to-head league yeah i think i mean i think he's going to be so cheap and he's gonna he'll give you realistic return yeah i mean this is this is Remember that twenty stolen bases is a stolen base a week in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that he's gonna get? Do you think that he's gonna get talked up by people like us preseason because he's got clear value? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. I think I think there's a good so beware. I think there's a good chance if you hear his name a bunch <laughs> between now and next year that he's gonna be too expensive. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like we we might have to check in on this when when we do an aggregation of all of these reviews we'll probably have to check in and say like ah well not loving where he ended up yeah but th- this is only the second time I think that we've talked about him on the pod this year because we talked about him a little bit in the context of the Marlins lineup and, uh well yeah who was the other well Miguel Rojas is batting right ahead of him right Rojas yeah Jazz a little Jazz a little Rojas. But man, there's not a whole lot else to like on this uh, on that Miami Marlins team. 
No, that's the thing. He's going to be able to play if he's able to stay healthy. And at 24 years old, having a couple of seasons under his belt, I mean, this is a couple of little taste, two years in a row of tasting the uh, the majors. This is a good... I, You know, I am a proponent of the sophomore slump. I but know. He, this is a good, like, gradual progression. This isn't... This isn't a player who just like came out in their their rookie year and was like awesome. Freshman year was awesome, overproduced, and then it's like being expected to increase their production. Now this is this is a guy who's just put in a little bit each year, which is great. Well, the Marlins did something interesting, which was what that they brought him up last year to get some time. Yeah, right. They brought That's him up. Good. They brought him up September first last year. And gave him gave him a, a month's worth of MLB experience, which which is it, even in a non pandemic year is kind of what they would want to do, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. Bring him I up in so. September, so he got he got a taste, and he was bad, right? I mean, he hit one. He's not good. He hit one sixty one last year in tw- across twenty one games. So I mean, this is great. So this year he's two fifty three. I mean, his um, geez, in the minors he was at two eighty. He was at two eighty three twenty. Uh, he decent hitter. Why don't, oh yeah, they do. why don't they have twenty twenty yeah, numbers in the minors? Well, they weren't playing. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in somewhere around pick one fifty or something. Pull the trigger on Jazz. All right, who are we doing next week? I'm so excited. We're going to talk about Paul DeYoung, the guy that I've wanted on my team forever and just not been able to roster. <laughs> yeah, there are guys like that. All right, my man, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. (laughs) 